Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Happy Friday to you. Big Sills in the house. Thanks for everybody coming aboard here on this Friday. What a week, huh? What a week. And, and, and you know, I can I can hear people going. You know, I got actually people on my Twitter page. Stop talking Philadelphia sports, Silio. And I'm going like, really? Oh, thank you. Oh, it is just music to my ears. I don't want you talking anymore. Yeah, I actually have people on my Twitter page saying, stop talking Philly sports right now. And I'm sitting there going like this to people going, oh, this is beautiful. <laughs> because what that means is, is that they don't like the fact that I'm pointing things out that's maybe the obvious that you don't want to understand on where your football team is right now. Okay. By the way, Dave wants that from Fox Sports will join us at 445. And we will talk to him about building a roster. We will talk with him about evaluating of talent. Remember something. He's in the building and he was Jimmy's right-hand man when they went ahead and built that Dallas Cowboy dynasty. He was right there for the Herschel Walker trade. He was right there when they were evaluating all those great Cowboys that ended up winning three Super Bowls. Dave Wonstadt also was the guy that recruited Aaron Donald. He's the guy that also recruited Darrell Rivas, Curtis Martin, all of those great players that were there at Pittsburgh. Dave Wonstadt recruited, former head coach of the Bears, and also the Miami Dolphins. And currently does work for Fox, and uh, he's also on the Bears uh, pregame and postgame show. So we will talk with him. That'll be at 445 Eastern time. You know, again, I hope one thing is for certain. You know, my wife always used to accuse me, don't come on and be a hater all the time because what you're doing is, it's not cool, man. Nobody wants to sit around and listen to a dude taking a crap on somebody's favorite sports team. They come to you for for entertainment. They come to you so that they can be maybe enlightened a little bit. But to sit around and bitch for two, three hours, it's not something that I'm trying to do. 
But what I am trying to do is when people keep telling me, well, Jalen Hurts will get better. Okay, well, let's find out how he's going to get better. You know, Baird Brooks was talking earlier. Danny really works hard. Danny's really putting the work in. Danny really's watching a lot of film. I'm sorry, but, and? You're in the National Football League, man. That's a given. That's, I'm expecting you to do that. I'm not going to pat you on the back again for doing things that every other quarterback is doing as they prepare for the upcoming 2022 season. You don't get love for that. Jalen's smart. Jalen's great. Jalen's a good team. And what, what exactly am I giving him backslaps for? I'm not going to sit here and coddle anybody when you're making over a million dollars. This is professional football. It's not training wheels football. You're expected to be a pro. I wasn't. Cost me a career. That's why it pisses me off when I, well, he's really a great, why do we always start that, why can't we ever start a conversation off with an Eagle quarterback that says this, he is a great thrower of the football. Why do I have to hear this? He's a really good teammate. I don't care. I don't care. Aaron Rodgers ain't the best teammate. I'll take that dude every day. Every day. 44 touchdowns, three picks. Sign me up for a bad quarterback who's a teammate that teammates don't say anything good about. And he's won 13 games three years in a row. Yeah, but he's been bouncing. Well, let me get in the dance. Rodgers gives you the chance. That stuff is media stuff. Well, he's not a very good guy. Who gives a shit? I'm not looking for a date. I don't want him to date my daughter. I'm looking for a quarterback. He's a good guy. Great. My daughter, Danielle, would really love Jalen Hurts then. But I just don't want him to start as my quarterback for the Eagles. I mean, really? Let's get away from that. This is all about the evaluation on whether or not this kid can play. And you know what? It's becoming redundant to sit here every freaking day and talk about a guy that we have a conversation over every day on whether he's the guy or not. If we're doing that, you don't have the guy. Now, the other question is, can he improve? Will he be able to have success as an Eagle quarterback? You know, one of the things that I made sure that I did this week was I pointed out, you guys haven't developed very many quarterbacks and you clearly haven't developed very many wide receivers. So when you tell me about having this high-powered offense, your history dictates it's not there. Wentz is the only 4,000 passer in your illustrious history. Your wide receivers, the all-time yardage guy is Harold Carmichael. And his last year was like 19-something. Was it the 80s? Guys, 
This is a front office conversation, more so than a roster talk. But maybe it's more so in how they construct that roster. Here's why Doug Peterson is going to have more success than Nick Sirianni over the next five years. He's not going to have as many speed bumps placed in front of him and hurdles to have to get over and to clear things with because Doug's going to be the king of his own kingdom. Sure, Trent Baalke's going to be in the way, but believe me, if it becomes that he's in the way, Shane Codd's not going to put up with any more disloyalty or any more, you know, guys in the locker room that are going to be cancers in the locker room. He just went through one with Urban Liar. Doug's going to have more success. Five years from now, I guarantee you Doug Peterson has a better football team than the Eagles. Do you agree? Five years from now with Trevor Lawrence and the things that he has learned, if we could take anything what Andy Reid did, Andy Reid leaves Philly. He's a better, he's a better coach because he's got a better quarterback than what five was. And now Doug Peterson's got a better quarterback than what he had with Carson Wentz. We're almost seeing those parallels. And he was brought in because he's a professional coach. Doug Peterson is a pro's coach. That's why he's there. That owner is going to put everything at his disposal to improve the Jags team. They have a chance to really be good with, you can't waste Trevor Lawrence. You can't have him thrown in the landfill of potential quarterbacks who could have been great in this league. He is one of the best, and I do not believe he's overhyped. I think this kid's a great-looking talent. Doug knows it. Had a shitty environment with that Urban Liar dude. Nick, get, get this. We heard Nick Sirianni this week Tell the entire Philadelphia Eagle media and its fan base that he had to go through a sales pitch just to get Zach Pascal on the team. What does he have to do when it's talking about somebody like Julio Jones? How much does Howie get in the way of that? How much does he get in the way of that? Do you know why free agents don't want to come here now? It's because of that gigantic obstacle you have in your front office. Every player knows that's a veteran player in Philadelphia. The head coach has to kind of clear it with the front office and the owner before they could bring anybody in. Am I wrong? Those are hurdles. When Jimmy Johnson was building, we'll talk to Dave Wanstad at 445 Eastern. You think Jimmy had to clear that with Jerry? But we'll ask him flat out. 
Jimmy didn't clear anything with Jerry Jones. Jimmy wanted somebody. He went to Bob Ackles, his director of personnel. They made a phone call, cut a deal. Jerry signed here. That's how Charles Haley became a cowboy. And again, you see, you guys, watch this. I want to show you something here. This is Carson Wentz's offensive huddle that he's going to have in Washington. Terry McLaurin, 1,000-yard receiver, 77 catches. It's probably the best receiver he's ever played with professionally. Okay? He's probably the best receiver he's ever had. Would we agree? Alshon Jeffries never lived up to the contract that he signed in Philly. Ever. Ever. Terry McLaurin's the best wideout he's ever played with. They got two guys that are equivalent to what the Eagles have. This Cam Sims guy and Curtis Samuel, the guys are just dudes. You got a tight end who's kind of just a dude too. Antonio Gibson, though. He's 1,100-yard rusher, I think. Maybe 1,000, a little bit under 1,100 yards. You got a 1,000-yard back there. Can Miles Sanders be a 1,000-yard back? I don't know. Dude's got to stay out of the tub. Carson Wentz has a better huddle in Washington. And I would say this to you. It's probably the second best or maybe as even now because you had Jonathan Taylor in Indianapolis who was an 1,800-yard back. That huddle in, and he had Pittman. So that huddle in in Indianapolis was his best huddle. But McLaurin, in my opinion, is better than Pittman. And I'll, I'll look at him. And by the way, Carson put up great numbers last year with Michael Pittman. 3,600 passing yards and 27 touchdowns and seven picks. It's a great year. I mean, there's not a thousand yard receiver on the team. There's not a thousand yard back on the team. And yet you're expecting me to tell, to go out there and go, hey, you know, I'm going to be really optimistic that, that, that Jalen is going to throw for 4,400 yards this year. Where are you getting that from? How are you putting that together? When one, the team's not constructed that way. It's a running attack. You're not a passing team. And again, this sounds like I'm shitting on Jalen. I'm not. I'm asking, how do you see that? And I get people going like this to me. Dan, you got to have faith. No, I don't. I just look at your history. Last 1,000-yard receiver you had was Jeremy Macklin in 14. When's your last 1,000-yard back? Shady? That's Chip Kelly, right? Where's this high-powered offense? Zach Gertz, great. 
By the way, Zach Ertz, yard after catch, has to be the worst tight end I've ever seen in pro football history. Catch the ball, fall down. Catch the ball, fall down. I couldn't believe what he did when he got to Arizona. Caught the ball, took it to the house. You're like, what? Was that Zach Ertz? That guy's Mr. Fall Down. Catch the ball, fall down. I mean, help Jalen. That's been my theme this week. Okay? No yak, Zach. I love that one above. See, look. Mid-East Eagles fan. Sills, you sound like a hair. No. How, okay. Middle East Eagle fan, tell me this then. Where, where, where are they getting better? Show me, show me the show me the path. I'm open. Show me the path that Jalen gets better with the current construction of the roster. And and by the way, when someone tells me, well, the roster's not complete yet because of the draft. You're going to tell me you're going to add into the equation the unknown of a draft choice and tell me because on paper again, somebody told you the kid was good and that's going to translate into the NFL without seeing the kid even play? If you do that, you have no credibility with me. Seals, the offense is going to get better if they get Drake London. How do you know that? How do you know Drake London's good enough to play in the league? Did you learn your lesson from JR? Draft a kid in the first round doesn't necessarily equate into success. You're hoping it does. It's a hope thing again, like the hope diamond. Hugh, right. It's all I'm trying, guys. It's all I'm trying to do is bring some perspective into this. Steve. Jalen doesn't suck. He got, what's this? Steve, Jalen, Anthony, I love that. We win ugly. Okay, then build around that identity. Don't go to a press conference at the owner's meeting saying you want a prolific offense when you're not that. It's kind of like being a bullshit artist. The owner, Jeffrey Lurie, is a bullshit artist on how he tries to tell you we want a prolific path. Where are you getting that from? You've never had one. You've never owned a prolific passing attack. Smash mouth, smash mouth football. Great. You know what's funny? Anthony, I think you hit it, man. Okay? I think you hit it. That's their true identity. And they hate their identity in the front office. They hate that identity. Can I tell you how I would build this team? I'd continue to make sure I had the best powerful offensive line. I'd get a Derrick Henry back. I'd get a tight end that could knock the shit out of people. I'd get wide receivers that could block in the run game and knock people out, catch tough seam passes. And you know what I would do? I'd run your ass over. I might get outscored in games certain times, but the majority of the time, I'm going to run your defense over. It's almost like the Eagles fight that identity. 
It's almost that's how you won the Super Bowl. You won the Super Bowl by wearing people's asses out. Jeffrey Lurie wants, you know what he wants? He wants to have a Kurt Warner offense. And he's light years away from that. You have to have a Kurt Warner. You have to have a Tory Holt. You have to have a Marshall Falk. And by the way, Mike Martz and both Dick Vermeil told me that offense didn't go through Kurt Warner, through Tory Holt. That offense went through Marshall Falk. Running the ball, they ran the ball as effectively as anyone. Marshall Falk's in the Hall of Fame, not just for catching passes. Marshall Falk's a Hall of Fame player because he ran the ball. This guy's a 1,500-yard back. That's right, Sydney. Steal their hearts. You don't steal people's hearts. Throwing the ball around the yard like the Chiefs do. You don't. Look what's happened to the Chiefs. They lose Kareem Hunt. They've never recovered. Kareem Hunt was 18% of the offense in Kansas City. When they lost that ability to run the ball, they've never been the same. They've never been the same. After they lost him. Hey, Paul, Air Coriel, they still had a running back that was a, Chuck Muncie was a thousand yard rusher. Muncie could catch the ball out of the backfield and Muncie could run the ball. It, it, it's not hating, but stick to who you are. You know, I would feel better about the Eagles going into the 2022 season. If I heard Nick Sirianni go, we're going to kick the shit out of people this year. I don't know who's going to catch passes. I just know this. We're going to line up and we're going to, we're going to challenge people. And we're going to win our games in the trenches. And you know what that doesn't do? That's not much at the gate, is it? Or selling tickets. How about this? You know that Dallas Cowboy team that won those three Super Bowls? And by the way, I told you Dave wants that who was the D coordinator on those teams, is going to join us from Fox Sports at 445. You think that was an air attack team? That was a team that beat the shit out of a team like Buffalo. Jimmy knew when they were going to play Buffalo, he said the only thing we have to do is just show up and play. He had no doubt that they were going to crush that team. They dropped 55 points on them. He knew they were going to kill them because he knew they were tougher. They beat teams up with Emmett and that old line. What's so hard about that in Philly? Why can't the management, why can't they deal with that? Xander goes, Lori doesn't want smash mouth football. They will not embrace that. That's the famous story. He roasted Doug for beating Green Bay on the ground. What a tool. I would never, if I were a head coach, this is why I could never be a coach. If an owner came to me or GM came to me and asked me why I won the game that way, I'd look at him and go, go back to your hole. Go back to your library. My guys went out there and took 60 minutes of football away from them that they'll never get again because we dominated them. We 
knock them out like George Foreman. This guy wants to be Floyd Mayweather, and he wants to be a finesse fighter. He wants to be that guy. I want to be George Foreman. I want one punch, knock your ass out. And when you wake up, man, holy cow, we got to play the Eagles again. Man, I got to play the Eagles this week? Shit. Don't you want that or this? Well, if we get into a back and forth with them, we could probably outscore them. Man, that sounds like a pillow fight to me. I don't want to get in pillow fights. I don't want to get into pillow fights. Hugo Sills, you have a lot of respect for Doug, don't you? I do. Because Doug wasn't going to put up with shit any longer. Doug believed that he had built up enough equity in the locker room with his players and his miscalculation was that, you know what the miscalculation for Doug Peterson was? Doug thought that he had built enough equity up with the owner and the owner and the owner let him down. It wasn't Howie that let him down. You see, the owner's got to be in between the GM and the coach sometimes. And the owner has to come in and pick a side. He's got to come in and pick a side. He picked Howie's side because he's always picked that side. Because you know why? They manage his money. Coach doesn't give a shit about contracts and salary caps. The GM does. That's why the owner of the Eagles will always side on that side. These guys look out for my checkbook. They're not going to do stupid stuff. Hey, coach is going to go out there and get who he wants, which is probably the right way to do it. But see, Doug Peterson thought that he had built up enough equity. He had built enough equity up with Jeffrey Lurie, but he didn't. That was Doug's miscalculation. And then when they started talking about his coaching staff, it just became like Seth Joyner said, man, they don't respect the fact that I was the head coach of the team that won the Super Bowl for him. And they don't respect my opinion when it comes to my own coaching staff. Can I tell you my favorite moment, Doug Peterson? Super Bowl. How about the Philly special? Let's run it. Man, that's Pat Riley shit. If I'm sitting there listening to that and I'm standing next to those two dudes talking about it and there was no second guessing it, how about the Philly special? Yeah, let's do it. Go. (laughs) Against Tom Brady and the Patriots. Legendary. Legend freaking dairy. Legendary. 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 Coaching. Execution. Sticking the knife in. White flag raising. All of that. That's what Doug envisioned for your Eagles. That's my frustration. You were there at the cusp of having that. Four years later, you win four games. How in the frig did that deteriorate like that? There's only one answer. 
Only one answer. Yale, I'm talking more about how you beat that team's ass up front. Put Brady on his head. It was a fist fight. Dude, that moment on that, that was one of the greatest coaching moments in a game like that I've ever seen. How about the Philly special? Sure, run it. Let's go. And it worked. If it doesn't work, you look like a tool in the biggest game. Kyle Shanahan should be ashamed of himself. You're down 28 to 3, and you allow Brady back in the game. Hey, here's here's a tip. Run the ball. How many three and outs did Matt Ryan give them so they could get back in the game? I mean, how do you lose a 28 to 3? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Then you call Kyle Shanahan one of the greatest coaches in the game? Really? I wouldn't want that on my resume. Hey, I'm one of the greatest coaches of all time, supposedly, according to the media, because my last name, Shanahan, I guess. Dude. Man, that's my only. They gave up, Maniac. They made the pay. I have never seen a Bill Belichick team Act like a LeBron Laker team and just quit. Just quit. Okay. Hey, Dan, who would you have as GM? Howie Roseman or Joe Banner? For me, Banner all day too. Better evaluator. Because you know why, Fran? Banner comes from the school of personnel. How he comes from an accounting firm. And now he's perpetrating himself as a talent evaluator. How many people have come on this program and said talent evaluating is not his forte? Ain't just me saying it. That guy comes from the CPA um, company of money and money. He doesn't come from player and player. Money and money. Howie's forte is dealing with the books. He's the nerd in the background with the calculator and the pen and paper, and he's got all the accounts receivable, and he's putting everything down on a ledger. That's who he is. He's not a talent evaluator. So when you say to me, Chelsea's going to get better. Oh, Jalen's going to get better? There's there's so many speed bumps in the way. Watch this. The Eagles are going to be, Xander's right. Eagles are going to be 500. They're going to be in there. That team's not a Super Bowl contending football team. There's nothing redeemable about that team except their O-line. Well, here, watch this. There's nothing, there's nothing redeemable about that team. And endearing about that team, except for their O-line, Devontae, a couple dudes on defense, and a pretty good coaching job. 
had a pretty good coaching job. Okay? Xander doesn't really think he's that good at the numbers. Hey, 35 dead money. So he's basically dealing with, instead of a 208 cap, he's dealing with a, like a one, he's dealing with a 170, 168 cap. I don't know. Carson Wentz has got better players. Or as comparable. And that's Washington. That's a train wreck of a franchise. You see Snyder's back in charge again? Jesus, criminy. How does Dan- Daniel Snyder got control back of the day-to-day operations of the Washington team? You had a president in there who was going back and forth with racist emails. You didn't know anything about that? They took the team away from Jerry Richardson, but Daniel Snyder, who had cheerleaders that were getting naked for, for uh, advertisers, FedEx was complaining, and he's still the owner of the team, and he got complete control? Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Unbelievable. Who's under more pressure going into this 2022 season? Howie or Jalen? I'll hit on that. Guys, please hit the like button. Dave wants that from Fox Sports. Three-time Super Bowl champion will be with us. We'll talk to him on how you build a team evaluating talent. We'll talk a little Jalen with him as well. Keep it right here on the National Football Show. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Welcome back. National Football Show, your boy Dan Cilio. Dave wants that will join us at 445 from Fox Sports. Guys, look, I don't want you to come here every single day, 4 to 6 Eastern time, and be depressed. That's not what we're doing here. I'm asking you to hold people accountable, though. Eagle fans, Patriot fans, Bear fans, you guys are kind of in the same deal here. You know what it is? Okay. You know what it is? How about this? It's your passion that people use against you constantly. They use it against you. I tried to explain this to Buck fans. You know, I I and you know what? Here, I'm gonna tell you tell you flat out. Watch this. I was right the entire time, and I lost my job because the Bucks couldn't take it anymore. Eight share ratings, highest ratings in the history of WDAE, the number one sports station in the Southeast. I had the highest ratings of any morning radio show sports-wise on the East Coast. I'm doing nine shares. <laughs> nine share. I mean, seriously, they got me fired. My wife, was. she's right. How do you feel, Dan? Congratulations to you. You're right. You're out of work. It's a lesson learned. And that's why guys like Howard Eskin and all these other guys have been told maybe not to go on that show because you know why? They can only speak the truth to so far before they get the door shut on them. And, and by the way, Eagles haven't shut the door on me because we're in the offseason. They haven't. They're going to get Nick on. Hell, I talk to the PR guy all the time. I know him from San Francisco. We've been friends a long time. Yeah, the new, the new public relations guy, he's been friends with me for 15 years. I know him a long time. I, we, we, you know, I talk to him every now and then. We have conversations. He goes back and forth. He goes, you know, I know Nick wants to come on. He's trying to do his best. We're going to try to get him on for you. It's all good. And by the way, none of this is personal. Because you know why at the end of the day, you know what Howie could always say to me? I want a Super Bowl, dude. And he can always go like this. Well, silly oak can he can bark all he wants. <laughs> I got a Super Bowl. Like I went off the contract, off the books. I got a first rounder for him. I restructured Fletcher's deal. It, it's, you know, he does so many things right. Matt says, Sills, do you really think if the Eagles are 500, three years, how he keeps his job is his job in jeopardy? No. Because you guys, they're going to go like this. Dan, since 2000, we have the most wins in the postseason of any team in the NFC East. We've been to two Super Bowls while I've been in the building. We've got two NFC championship rings, one Super Bowl, no. How do you fire that? The problem, though, is the owner not 
giving his coach the same type of collateral that his GM gets. You see what happens with the owner? The owner has a power structure. Him, the GM, VP of personnel, the head coach. The head coach is eating fourth on the train table. That's what you have. Okay? Tony, I don't want it to be like that. I don't want it to be like that. And by the way, I'm not going to kiss anyone's ass. I never have and I never will. However, I don't want to ever make anything personal. There's nothing personal. And again, I gave Howie tremendous kudos for being able to get Fletcher back in the building. Here, watch this. Let me show you the contradicting things of Howie Roseman. He does a spectacular job. And tell me, watch this. Tell me I'm being hyperbolic on this. He does a spectacular job at restructuring Fletcher Cox's deal. Then he turns around and he hires back Derek Barnett. Don't you find that? Don't you do this? What? You did such a stroke of genius here. Then you bring back a stiff. Right? I mean, this is what makes Eagle fans and people in the media not understand his path to success. And what makes it look like that 17 team was a fluke is that he he does this great move. This great move. Then he turns around and brings back Derek Barnett. And everybody goes like this. Okay. (laughs) Right? You're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's it's crazy. How many organizations are management first, then team? Cowboys. The the Dallas Cowboys. The New York Giants. The um, Chargers. Let's see. The Jets. The Dolphins. The Bears. Philadelphia is not excluded to this. Now watch, I'm going to name you successful teams. Patriots. Steelers. Kevin Colbert works with Mike Tomlin. He doesn't work against them. No, that's okay, Mike. You can't have that. I know Kevin Colbert personally. He's been on this show. I, I, I know him personally. Kevin Colbert works with the head coach, not against them. If Mike Tomlin wants something, here, can I tell you the difference in management styles? Pittsburgh versus, really, why, why aren't the Eagles more like the Steelers? The Steelers are the gold standard on how you run a team watch this 
Kevin Colbert will talk Mike Tomlin out of a, a out of a player, whereas Nick Sirianni has to talk Howie Roseman into a player, a player that he coached and knows. He's still got to talk him into bringing him in. Nick said it. It's no secret I wanted him here. I went to Howie and made my case. Was that what it was? Something like that. I'm paraphrasing. Kevin Colbert doesn't act like that. Kevin Colbert actually goes like this. What, do you, what, what is a Mike Tomlin type player? What do you, by the way, Mike Tomlin's personality and the way he sees a team and the way he sees a player is completely contradicting to anything maybe what they saw with Bill Cowher or maybe some subtle changes because Pittsburgh has had a great system since 1969. It's a great system. Can you imagine this? Mike Tomlin in his entire coaching career has never had a losing season. Big Ben has never had a losing year as a starting quarterback in the NFL. How crazy great is that? How crazy great. Never losing season. The coach, the player, what a great run. Steven here. Barnett isn't a bad third, fourth down DN or fourth DN. Was that guy a first round draft choice? Let me tell you how whack that take is. Was Barnett a first rounder? Come on, man. I'm going to show you guys how to build a football team. Okay. I'm going to show you how to build a football team. And I got to tell you, I was there with these guys when they're talking about evaluating talent. Not only did they enhance what they did at the University of Miami, making it the gold standard there, they took those same practices and they went to Dallas with it. They were one and freaking 15 in their first year. I was there for the first camp at Thousand Oaks. I'll never forget Dave Wanstad and Butch Davis and all the guys going like this. This place is old. There's no talent, and we have to improve that talent immediately. Let's bring in Fox Sports' former head football coach of the of the Bears and also of the Miami Dolphins, our friend Dave Wanstead. Coach, when you went into Dallas, I'll never forget we had a mini camp. Randy White, we were all running, we were all running our drills, and it was like a um, it was an organized team activity kind of thing. I think Randy may have even retired right after. That mini camp that you guys had, because he was he he looked over at me and he goes, You know these guys. I go, he does I'm gonna tell you these guys here. And I remember Crawford and all those guys, they're all huddled around me, Nate. And I go like this, what about these guys? I go, they don't give a shit about me, you, anybody. You know what they care about? Winning. And if you can't help the room, <laughs> hey, why do you think we practiced the way we did at Miami? Coach. That was a tough rebuild. What was the number one thing you had to do, you guys had to do when you went into Dallas? Well, before I get going, Danny, I'm glad to see that you actually have hair and have eyes because with the sunglasses and the hat, when, when I follow you on Twitter, it's good. You look good, man. So, uh, a, a, new look, a new look. Not all the time. Not all the time. When you're talking about, when you're ta- when you're talking about the you, it's got to be – hat and sunglasses but uh, yeah because i gotta play the role you know me coach back in the uh, day 
I love going to the, Hey, you were an outlaw. <laughs> Damn right. I was. <laughs> no, you, you know what? To answer your question, the, the biggest thing was that, uh, that, that we were going to be from the day that we all started coaching together. Our whole thing was speed, quickness, uh, over size and strength. And so when we went into Dallas, you know, whether it was age and I dealt with the same thing when I went to Chicago with the fridge, you know, and Richard Dent and, 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 and Keith Van Horn and some of these guys that were there, uh, you know, it, it, it was time. And, uh, so really it was kind of a combination of a lot of players that had won Super Bowls for Coach Landry and they were still on the team. And between age and then a philosophy change on how we wanted to play defense and how what we wanted to do on offense, kind of the combination of those two things really was the determining factor that that we need to make some changes. And uh and in the NFL, I mean, I remember when First, we took the job and we went to uh, the combine. Or was it, no, Senior Bowl was before the combine. So we went down to the Senior Bowl, and the whispers by everybody was that we were the college guys, you know. And when we put our defense in, they labeled it the college 4-3. Teams were playing 4-3. The Steelers were playing 4 but everybody was playing it with that weak side linebacker on the line of scrimmage. You know, Jack Hammond, those guys as rushers. Uh, everybody ran the four three, and we ran it with the linebacker stacked, as you know. So I mean, um, yeah, we had to kind of overcome that, but uh, it took time and it took winning, really, at the end of the day. Coach, when you're profiling a player and you're evaluating a guy, I mean, you've you've you know you've recruited Aaron Donald, Darrell Revis, and I mean, the guys at Miami, you guys brought in just a ton of talent in how you saw guys. When you're building a draft board, what is it? It's not about the name on the back of the jersey, isn't it? Does it have to fit a system, or is it? I mean, I know the value chart that Coach put together. He actually sent me a copy of one, of a of a um, of a of a value chart. How how did you guys go about building and finding guys like Tony Tolbert in ladder rounds, and you ended up getting guys that were so instrumental to winning. And these guys were not just first-round draft choices. What is? How did you guys profile those players? Well, the, the most important thing, and really goes back to the University of Miami, we were all about production. And we wanted long, two things, and I think this gets overlooked today. We, we, Jimmy was never interested in one-year wonders. And we wanted to see production. And I won't mention a name, but there was a player that got drafted in the first round. And everybody was talking about him. He was an All-American. He was at a Power 5 great school. And I went into Jimmy and I said, you know, I think I probably need to go here and work this guy out. And Jimmy said, is he our type of guy? I said, well, size-wise, and he can run. I said, and he says, what's his production? I said, you know, let, let's, let me go get it. He said, flash it up here on the board. And when I flashed it up here, and the guy had seven sacks his whole career. <laughs> and Jimmy looked at me, and I looked at him, and he said, Danny Stubbs had seven sacks last year himself. He Danny Stubbs my- had seven sacks against Florida. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, I mean, it, it was production, you know. And when we drafted Emmett Smith, 
everybody talked about how fast is Emmett. And Emmett was a four-year starter and broke all those records at Florida at the highest competition. And so we, when we drafted Emmett, you know, the company line was, and we really got it from John Robinson and Marcus Allen. When people used to come in and ask Coach Robinson, how fast is Marcus? He says he's as fast as he has to be. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's kind of – that was the philosophy. You know what I mean? Was a guy – did he do this over time? Could he, and I mean, I recruited one of your teammates. Remember Maurice Crum? Oh my God! What a he's a I, police I, officer now in Orlando. Yeah, and, and he's been a cop and, for twenty years. How about that? And I played with him in the World League too. What a tremendous hurricane, man, and productive. When well, when I recruited him out of Hillsborough High School in Tampa, the guy's about five nine yeah. or five ten. And we were looking at the tape and Jimmy looked at me and he said, what? I said, the guy's a great guy. First of all, he's a good, you know, he'll stay in school. And I said, Jimmy, do you ever see this guy knocked off his feet? I think the guy went four years at Miami. He started as a freshman. I don't think the guy ever got knocked down. I mean, he was so agile and he understood leverage and he was a football player. He was a playmaker. And that's the type of guys that we won championship with. That's right. You weren't you you weren't the biggest guy, but you were a playmaker. You're you know, you had the quickness, the same things I'm describing, you know, Maurice Crum with. We moved, we carried that over to every position. And with the D line, you fit into that category. I mean, you and Jerome were what, six one? You yep. said you're six three. You never were. No, no way. Work. Six one, six one and a half. And my my year that I was there with you guys, I had a hundred tackles. I had eight sacks, and I mean Jerome had missed a few games, but he had eight. We had two guys in the defensive tackle position that had 100 tackles, and one had 80. And you used to look over at Myra and go, "Jesus Christ, man, are you doing anything here? What the hell are you? You got these two guys in front of you, and Stubbs got 17 sacks." <laughs> I mean, you never blitz, Coach, because no. we had 60 sacks one year. <laughs> oh, oh, oh! I wanted to. I mean, I, we were getting ready for a, a bowl you game. You blitzed in. The, you blitzed in the national. I had the sack, the first sack in the national title game against Penn State because I, I go like this. We all looked and they go, okay. I go, coach is calling a blitz on the – holy shit. We were all in the huddle against Penn State. We were like this. Is he calling a blitz? I was – we were all – he goes, damn, he's calling a blitz. So well, we're getting – we get back yeah, there. I hit that fucking kid, man, and I got him on his bond, and I stood over him. I'm going, I can't believe what we just did here. But, Coach, it's like one of the few times you ever blitzed us. Well, you know, it, it was the old philosophy, clear mind means fast feet, Danny. And if the guys know what they're doing and we keep it simple, they're going to play fast as hell. And that's what we wanted. And we never got bored. If there was something that we had to do, uh, we did it. I mean, when we were playing Pittsburgh up there and Ironhead was running over everybody, and Benny Blades was leading the team in tackles. Hold on, I'm hiding. <laughs> <laughs> And we went in at halftime, and I'm looking at the sheet, and and Benny Blades never – I mean, Benny Blades was maybe the greatest safety he's ever played at Miami. Fit, what was he, top 10 pick when he in oh, the yeah. draft? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I've never seen you that mad. I've yeah, never and I, seen and I, and I looked at the tackle sheet, and the leading tackler on our team at halftime was our safety. So I said, somehow it's getting past Danny and Jerome and the linebackers, and this has got to stop. 
This is not what we're all Wait a minute. About. Hey, folks, I'm going to tell them what I told them after the game. I looked at Jerome. We did win 38-3. to <laughs> Coach, there's a new philosophy that's going around the NFL now, and the Rams look like they're doing it. Coach, you guys believe in the fundamentals of the draft. The Rams seemingly don't. I mean, they believe in just getting rid of those picks and winning today. Is that a new form, or do you believe that you still have to have a foundation built through the draft to win a championship? Well, no, I, I think you get players that fit in and, and can help you win, however you do it. So we, we were never against that. But the how it's changed was when we first came on, and we, and we learned a lesson because we signed a couple, they called it Plan B for our, our viewers here and listeners you know, it wasn't called free agents, and it was the first time that we could you could get players, and players could get out. It was called Plan B. So w- we jumped out there and grabbed a few players in Plan B, and we came to the realization that very if a player's out there on Plan B, they know more about that player than you do, and there's usually a problem. And we got burned on a few guys, so there wasn't the movement back in those days is what there is today. So, I mean, I, I think that, you know, now every team has a lot more opportunities to go out and get players that are good players and are on the market. It, it wasn't that way in the past. Coach, I'm going to – I want you to settle something because every time I hear Skip Bayless or anybody in Dallas or anybody make the comment about Charles Haley, I'm going to tell you what I know through Kevin Fagan and then you fill in the Dallas side. Kevin Fagan told me this. The day that George Seifert was named the head coach, Kevin goes like this, Charles Haley, and coach, I'll be a little graphic here, left the team meeting room, went on George Seifert's front of his car and urinated on his car. And what they did was he said, get this son of a B out of here. Where did they send him to? They call one of the worst teams in the NFL record-wise. They didn't realize a year later, they call Bob Ackles, and this is what I'm hearing. They call Bob Ackles. Ackles goes to Jimmy, and I'm assuming he had to go to you because you're the D.C. then at that time, and you're his right-hand man. You were his right-hand man everywhere he went. And Jimmy and you went because you've coached maniacs like us, Jerome. You looked at this guy, and you said, okay, he doesn't like to practice hard. long as you get me a sack and a half and eight tackles – We'll take him. And he was the missing piece to you guys. Did Jerry have anything to do with that? That No, pick? no. I mean, what happened was, and, and you're, you're about 50% right. Okay. okay. On, on, and and but w- what happened was at the end of training camp, and this was the year we, we had gone to the playoffs the year before. And I don't know what happened at San Francisco, but they were done with them. And we, myself, Norv Turner, and Jimmy, we went out and we had a few pops, as we did too often. (laughs) And and but this this was a business meeting, so we were talking. (laughs) (laughs) No secret. No, hey, no secret. No no secret. I I got it. I got it. (laughs) So 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 we were talking about where we were at on offense at the end of training camp, where we were at on defense. And, uh, and what did we need? And I remember when the conversation came up on defense and I said, we got a lot of great guys. We got Jim Jeffcoat, Tony Tolbert, 
you know, we had just gotten Tony Casillas. I said, we're going to play the run fine. But I says, we don't have a difference maker to get to the quarterback. We do not have one. And, and within, uh, you know, I, I don't know, w- w- within uh, a week, two weeks, Jimmy walks in and says, we're going to make this trade. I can get Charles Haley. I mean, he was a pro bore. So Charles came in and Charles made the difference. And not only did Charles help us win, we, we signed him on a Tuesday and he played on national TV. We played the Redskins Sunday night football to open the season. And he played, I used him in third down on a nickel situations. And, and not only was he a great player and helped us win on the field, but we, Leon Lett was a rookie. And I remember practice being over and as I was walking off, I heard a little bit of noise, and I turned around, and he had Leon in a stance, and he was working some of his moves, you know, whatever you guys did on pass rush stuff. And he was spending time with these young kids. And uh, so Charles Haley was, was a major part, just as you said, in the reason that we, uh, we were able to get over the top and get that Super Bowl. Dude, don't you agree, Coach, um, that sometimes management – and here's the big problem – Coach, I'll say this to you, and I, and, I, and I know you work with the Bears. Here, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll be diplomatic here. Certain organizations get in the way. Some organizations will allow their and empower their coaches to go out and do things. In Philadelphia, Howie Roseman has the number one power when it comes to running a franchise. And you, he, I heard Nick Sirianni today or yesterday at the NFL owner meetings saying that he had to petition to get Zach Pascal on the team. Coach, isn't that a problem when a coach has to petition to get a player on the roster instead of a guy going, I want him on my roster? Well, you would like to think that during the course of the year that, uh, you know, when I was at Miami, for example, Rick Spielman and George Payton were my two guys. Rick was head of it. George was the top of Rick's a pretty good talent evaluator. Yeah, I brought both those guys from Chicago down to Miami with me. And weekly, we would sit in there and we would watch the tape and they would watch it. And we were saying, you know, this guy's doing this good. This guy's doing this bad. Uh, The reason those mistakes were made, it was because we were doing, it was a coaching mistake. It was a player's mistake. He has enough ability. He doesn't. So it's an ongoing thing. So when free agents would come available, there wasn't a lot of discussion. I mean, we were all on the same page of, of what we needed to get better. And could we get them is another story, but you know, I mean, there should not be, there should not be a a real big decision at that point or discussion, I should say, between the GM and head coach. I mean, if you're communicating weekly, daily, they're watching practice, they're watching the tape together. That shouldn't be an issue. I don't get it. Coach. I know I don't either. And I don't, and I think it gets in the way. Two last questions for you here. I mean, Coach, you know, we've, we've talked about Jalen in the past, and we talk about, like, uh, you know, his progression, him getting better. He's one-dimensional. He can barely find, like, single open coverage, wide outs. Uh, Troy Aikman was talking about it in the Buck game. Do, do you see him in five years being still the starting quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles, or do you think he's a stopgap guy like a Tyrod Taylor or someone in that category? Well, I, I don't want to get in a jam here because he did better this year than I thought he would do. But on our opening on our opening show in Fox, I thought that Gardner Minshew would be the quarterback by the end of the year. That's what I thought. Now, 
they have made, and I'm going to give Sirianni some, Sirianni some credit here, they made a complete, quote, philosophy adjustment. They went to, they, they ran the ball, they were running the football more than anybody in the National Football League. That's right. They were two and five, coach. They were two and five, and they switched after that. And they switched it. And so if you're going to make a philosophy change and your quarterback's going to be a major part of this philosophy change, then they did the right deal. Now, can they score enough points with that to beat the Dallases and the Redskins and everybody else that they got to beat in the NFC? I don't know. I mean, you better play some great defense. Better play some great defense. Uh, so I hope so, because I'll tell you what, Jalen Hurts, hire him at your company, Danny, and he's going to make your company better. He's that type of guy. You know, you want him yeah. on your, you want him on your team. Is he going to be a guy that in the fourth quarter, that's how, that's how I separate quarterbacks. You're down by 10 in the fourth quarter with six minutes to go. Can you lead the team up and down the field and get two scores? I don't know if this guy can do it uh, to me. The jury's still out. Coach, I'm going to leave you with this one right here, and I want you to be as honest as you can with me. Dan Marino. Okay? He's a pit guy. Yep. So he's he's got pit blood with you, but you're a hurricane as far as I'm concerned, like Jimmy's a hurricane. I thought he hurt Coach Johnson's chances at success in Miami because he didn't want to fall in line with the fundamentals of what you guys were going to tell him to do. You were going to turn him into John Elway. You were going to run the ball. He was not going to be leaned on as much. And if Dan would have listened, in my opinion, Dan would have won a Super Bowl at the end with Jimmy. And I think that that's part of one of the reasons why Coach Johnson, that I saw in that Jacksonville game, on his face, I looked at my wife, I'll never forget, I've never seen my coach that drawn like that. I said, he'll never coach again. That whole thing, that that Dolphin experience wore his ass out. Well, yes. And, and that, now it goes back farther than when Jimmy was there. I mean, we played him. I'll give an example. And I, I think that Coach Shula, now keep it this, the greatest coach that's ever, you know, won more games. He won a, won a Super Bowl with Zonka and Kick and Murky Morris, and they ran – they ran the, They threw the ball thirteen times with Bob Greasy. But so he held were, that you fired wait, David. That you guys wait, fired wait, David wait, against wait. you guys. Here's my point. Here's my point. So Coach Shula was in that mentality, and then he totally converted to throwing the ball with Dan Marino. We went down there and played them when I was at the Bears. I don't know, ninety five, ninety six, and I met, Trace Armstrong was on my defensive ends, and I said, you know what we're going to do today. And I said, we're going to play a three-down lineman scheme. And he says, Coach, we don't even have that in our playbook except prevent. <laughs> and I said, no. I said, you're right. But we're going to do it until they run the ball because I don't know if they will run the football. And we went out and we were on first and second down. Picture me standing there afraid to even look. We're running three-down linemen and guess what? And dropping eight, rushing three. And we beat them 17-14, and they just refused to run the football. So I think to answer your question, you know, it goes back beyond Coach Johnson. I mean, this is something that the Dolphins had – and, you know, it's tough for an older quarterback to change philosophies at at this point in his career. 
So I, I don't blame Dan. You know, I don't blame Jimmy. I mean, I just think it was the circumstances that we had and we, we just weren't good enough or they weren't good enough as a team to really get it turned. And they didn't have enough draft picks and some of the number one picks they took didn't work out. You know, Jimmy didn't have all the ammunition that he had in, uh, in Dallas. I'm going to leave you with this here, coach. You guys, you know, Jimmy's got a book out swagger and he was talking to the team. I saw it and Mario sent it to me. Right. And Mario goes, what do you make of the whole thing with swagger with Jimmy? I go, well, let me tell you something. Those guys never had to bring that shit up to us. They just right. let us, they wound us up like we were those dolls and we ran through people. And let me yeah. tell you what swagger was, man. Beating the shit out of people every single day and working <laughs> teams over to a point where we thought, how, how, how many points are we going to beat that team by? Was never, we, I never went into a game with you guys ever thinking we were going to lose. I never, ever. That was swagger to me. <laughs> Yeah, I got to tell a funny story for our viewers. You were gone. You were. It was my last year there, and we're playing Notre Dame up in. I think it was this year, the last year, up in South Bend, and because uh, Randy Shannon was one of the captains at that point, and um, you know Jerome started that thing when when it was over to jog through the other team's warmups. I mean, it was insane. I mean, you know, I mean that that we that we. So anyway, wait, you can comment on that. So sure <laughs> enough, we're in South Bend and our guys are leaving the field. Now I'm up in the press box because I've already talked to the defense. Everything's ready. I get up to the press box. Boom. They're in the locker room. Jimmy, two minutes. They're back up. Here we go. Kick balls in the air. And I remember we're going in and Lou Holtz somehow had their team waiting like in the tunnel. So a fight breaks up. Of course. So my only comment was, and this is kind of sad compared. My only comment was, who got hurt bad where they can't play? Did any? I wasn't even. I, the fight didn't even bother me. I, I. My only thought was, did anybody get hurt where they won't be able to play the game? And they said no. They they said Randy Shannon. He had someone ripped his helmet off, and he they said he's got a busted up eye but they stitched it up or whatever they did. And they said, he'll be fine. He said, so I said, good. Okay. We're, we're good. <laughs> hey, I, I know this man. We fought everything. We fought the Oklahoma. Hey, somebody started talking shit to us. I look over, I go, I'm going to kick your ass. As soon as you see that clock drums, like you wait for this clock to end. We're pointing at them. Keith Jackson. Cause you became friends and boys and teammates with Jerome and Philly. I go, Keith, I'm going to kick your ass when soon as see it's 58 seconds. Wait till that gets off. We went over there, man. And we went across. I went looking for Bosworth, man. I drilled that dude. We're pounding him. I, hey coach, we fought like, so, Oh, my, let me go. I got to get out of here. <laughs> I yeah, we're going to, we're going to say something and get somebody. Oh, yeah, no, I, I, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, Hey, <laughs> I, Hey, I'll just leave you with this one too. Fiesta Bowl, the first Fiesta Bowl, shot mm. glasses on the on, <laughs> on the bar with tequila and with Red's hot sauce. That's all I'm going to leave you with. Coach Johnson doing shots. Goodbye, Coach. I love you. <laughs> Say it, Danny. <laughs> Woo! I got to take a time out on that one there. I love that man. I really do. Back in line here, man. I appreciate everybody. Please hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show.
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub. And in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Welcome aboard the National Football Show, hour number two. Your boy Big Sills. Thanks for everybody stepping in. Maniac, yeah, they can see the chat. Just so you know, they can see the chat. <laughs> oh, good. Wait, long as it's you, Xander, not me. That's a good thing, man. So I appreciate everybody coming aboard. Please hit the like button. My God. You know, I mean, the stories that Dave wants that, Jimmy Johnson, Butch Davis, and all those great coaches and i know you guys hate those guys because they won all those super bowls but you guys well maybe wait a minute guys hang on i want to show you something here maybe what i'm trying to convey to you is how an organization should be run because i was in one of the best of all time You know what I'm saying? Can I help it that I come from a coach who knew how to build a champion? Watch this, Xander. My coach knows how to build a college national championship team and a Super Bowl team. That's my coach's greatness. Saban failed as an NFL head coach. Jimmy is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. 
because he took the same things he did at Miami and brought him to the NFL and to the pro ranks. That man knows how to build a championship football team. So when I when I give you and I'm I most of this stuff is because of what I've been around all my life. Am I right when I say that? Ah man, hey, everyone's having fun, man. Don't worry. nobody gets bent out of shape. Hey, coach, hey, if coach didn't want you to know that he was drinking a couple uh sips of uh whiskey he wouldn't have put it out there it's all good he feels wait a minute guys you're missing the point coach wants that knows that you guys must be cool because you're with me for him to do that you think he's gonna go on any other show with a vat of whiskey of course he's not he's gonna know how much i love the guy and how much i respect the guy uh, hey dave wants that's one of my guys I'll never talk shit on him. Know that. Hey, Maniac, he would never have done that if he didn't feel comfortable around you guys. He would never have done that. That's why you're in a select show now. and You're in a fraternity here with me. Xander will tell you flat out. Xander goes, Sills, I've, I've never met anybody in my life who interviews people like you. Okay. But you know why I'm good with most of these people? They're my friends. I'm interviewing my friends, my mentors, people that I love, people that I respect, people who respect me too. That's why they continue to come on the show. You think a couple, hey, this guy's had a few. He's, that Coach Wanstad would never have done that. He gets it. Hey, I'm coming on with Sills. But hey, hey, um, Xander, remember when Boomer Sison was drinking vodka? Boomer came on. Boomer Sison came on drinking too. He was, he had a drink in his hand, and Boomer came on, and, and Xander goes and he was sauced. He came. I think it was because he came off the golf course, and he was. He, he goes, Sills. I just came off the golf course. He's got a thing of vodka in his hand. He's got in it. Yeah, yeah. I hope nobody did that. Don't worry, I got you. We're good. Big Chris goes, I smoke weed on your show. Congratulations to you. <laughs> Great, Chris. So you're smoking weed and talking shit to me while you're sitting there rolling Philly blunts. Hey, Cilio, enough with the shit on Jalen. Hold on for a second. You see this mother? He's talking shit on Philly again. God damn, guy. Hold on, give me my scissors. <laughs> Cut the head. <laughs> All right, man. Still <laughs> talking shit on my team. <laughs> this guy's rolling a fat one. Nice, Chris. <laughs> Don't drink before you. Hey, like a hey, monster. Like LT says. And don't do crack. You see LT got in trouble again. LT got in trouble because I guess he stays at a hotel when he and his wife aren't having good relations or whatever. And he didn't file as a sex offender because he has to file as one. 
because he had an underage prostitute. So those Pinellas County cops down there are on his ass. LT's going to beat the shit out of somebody down there, man. Because I, I do think they are Man, LT, hey, I know LT. And, man, I'm telling you, that dude, man, hey, man, you can't tell Lawrence Taylor anything, dude. He's, he's fun to be around. By the way, he loves playing golf. He does. He loves playing golf. But, man, LT, man, he's shaking up a bit on you, man. He's intimidating as he is off the field as he is on the field. Yes, sir. All right, I, I threw a question out at you, and I don't think I answered it, so let me close this question up to you guys. Going into um, this 2022 year, by the way, I'm not going to talk to you like this about pressure on Howie Roseman were he would get fired. Let's let, let's phrase this question this way. Who will fans lose more respect for if 2022 turns out to be a colossal disaster? Jalen Hurts or Howie Roseman? Will the perception be on Howie on Jalen, screw the owner. Lori's not firing him. Okay? He's not firing him. Get that out of your head. He's not firing him. Just gave him a three-year contract extension. But who will the fans look at? Hertz? Or Howie? As the guy who derailed the 2022 season. Xander said fans will blame Jalen and then Howie will capitalize on that and make him the scapegoat. Hmm. Seems to be a pattern here. Doug Peterson. Wow. I guess Xander's teaching me a lesson here because the thing I'm learning is, wow, isn't that funny? 17, he won a Super Bowl. He's doing victory laps. Four years later, you guys win four ball games and Doug's out the door. Along with Carson. And how he's left standing with a new three-year contract. So no matter what it is, this is all about Jalen. How there's no heat on Howie. Even get this. Even if those three. So wait a minute. You're telling me that even if Howie Roseman gets these three first rounders wrong, and you know how here. We would agree that this is not an A-plus draft, right? There's probably 15 or 20 guys in this draft that are probably going to be impact players, okay? This is not an A-plus draft. There's a chance Howie Roseman could get all three of these first-rounders wrong. Wow. Think of that. You could get all three of these wrong. Barrett brought something up earlier today. There's a couple years, like over the last couple years, that there's not like, there's like no dude either from the, the 17 or 18 draft. There's like not one dude from that draft on the team. You know, the, that RG3 deal that the Rams got all those three draft choices? I don't know what the Rams ever did with those three picks. 
So is it a chance you could screw up three draft choices? Three first rounders? Yeah, he's he's the Barnett. Somebody somebody wrote in, you know, Barnett's not a bad fourth or fifth defensive end. You drafted him 14th. That's a horrific return on investment. Well, he's still on the team, Sills. Do you understand? That's why he's still on the team. How we can't have all the wait, oh my God. Think of this. Hey, Xander, what year was uh, Derek Barnett drafted? And what year was um, Jalen Rager um, drafted? Think of this for a minute here. And he's got three ones this year, right? He's got three ones this year. Okay. Barnett, 17. Rager, 2020. So in a three-year period, fundamentally, evaluation-wise, you're telling me that both of those first two, both of those players who were first-rounders, theoretically shouldn't be on the team. How he had to sign him back. How he's got to keep Rager. I mean... From 2017 to 2020, you got two dudes. Here, you know what's crazy? You got $35 million of dead cap money, and you got two players on the team. The only reason they're there because he wants to save face. Two thousand nineteen, Dillard. And no first in the no. So you got Dillard, Rager, and Barnett. <clears throat> yeah, okay, I get they picked up in the in the latter rounds. I'm talking about having three first rounders though. So I got three first-round draft choices. Derek Barnett, Dillard, and Rager. And I'm supposed to believe he's going to get these three right? Let's do this. Is Dillard supposed to be on the Eagles? Asking you, you you tell me. Should Dillard be on the Eagles? <laughs> we know Rager shouldn't be. Dirk Burnett really shouldn't be. Yeah, Hugh. That's a good point, Hugh. That's a good point. Hugh. Tony says Dillard's a good backup. So you're drafting first-round draft choices as backups? He's good depth. 
Dude, good depth is in the fifth round. How about this? Wait a minute. I, I got I, I got to get positive here. Howie, nice job on, on, on Fletcher Cox. This Kaiser kid, I looked him up. I talked to Tom Telesco. They hated to see him go. They really liked him. They think he's a ball player. Okay? They, they did. They liked, they liked him. He's like, Dan, you're, you're going to like him. So tell people in Philly he can play. Okay? I did some homework and talked to the general manager of the Chargers. They like him a lot. Okay? I sound like Barrett here now. So the Kaiser kid's good. Okay? Oh, I can't wait to hear this. They shelled out all that money on defense and none went to him. They didn't like him that much. And they went out and got a um, – they went out and made a lot of moves, didn't they? The Chargers. Yeah. I, I, I take – I know Tom a long time. Tom's not going to shit me. Okay? Tom's not going to shit me. He's a good player. The Fletcher Cox deal was great. But but the bringing back of the Derek Barnett, you know, I mean. It's just an idle. It doesn't it feel just idle a little bit the postseason? Like we're idling. You know how you know you you're in your car, you're warming your car up, getting the heat in your you're idling. And you're watching the Rams sign Bobby Wagner to a contract. And, and you, it makes me feel like an idiot when I go, the guy would fit perfectly with the Eagles, knowing full well he'll never go there. Or how we would never bring him in. It just, it, it, you know, there's some, it just doesn't seem very proactive. You know, it, it's like, okay, you keep telling us we're going to build, we're going to gamble, we're going to do all this. Now, is it a, is it a five-year gamble plan? I don't know. I mean, the gamble has to be Jalen. It, it has to be him, okay? Yeah, Tony, it's frustrating in what they're doing or lack thereof. It's probably better. Chris says it's a low-budget roster. You know what, though, Chris? I don't mind a low-budget roster. New England won on a low-budget roster for 20 years. The only – see, Howie's running the Eagles like the Patriots without Brady. There was no big money guys in New England. You don't have to spend a king's ransom to be good. You don't. Patriots are the greatest example of that. You know, I like I told you this before. There are very few first-round draft choice guys that Tom Brady won. I think the kid, Sony Michelle, over his 20-year period that were skilled guys that they won a Super Bowl with that were first-round draft choices. Do you know? Think about this for a second. Think about how Brady won Super Bowls 
They made a trade for a guy who was cut by the Chargers or traded by the Chargers for some Wes Welker. They had Edelman and Amendola, and they had Gronk, or they had Aaron Hernandez, who was a fourth or fifth round draft choice. Those were Brady's weapons. And on paper, they look exactly like the Eagles. These are not, they were not back then. Today, we look at those guys and revere them because they were great in big moments. But going back and playing the game where you're looking at them during that time, nobody thought Amendola, Nettleman, and Wes Welker were shit. He was a special teams guy with the Dolphins, Wes Welker. He wasn't winning Super Bowls with anybody. That's right. Nuts. Patriots just filled gaps with guys. You know, if Brady liked them, Brady was going to make him a better ball player. You know, watch this. If you put Edelman and you put Amendola on the current Eagle team with Jalen, they're not those guys. They're not those guys. If I put, watch this. How many yards do you think Cooper Cup would get if he was on the Eagles today? How many yards? What do you have, 1,900 yards or some crazy number? How many yards do you think he'd have with the Eagles system, with a quarterback that struggles finding single coverage? How, how, how many? Here, I'll give you a number. Look at that. Look at Smile, 800. Twelve hundred, eleven hundred. That's interesting. You say that. Thousand yards, nuts. Cooper Cup. Why don't we take a look at that? Here, here's the best years Cooper Cup has had with Jared Golf. And do you think golf is better than Hertz? Or do you think Hertz is better than Jared Goff? What do you think? What do you think? Is Jalen better than Jared Goff? Remember something, Jared Goff won an NFC championship and went to a Super Bowl. Had a winning record with Sean McVay as his coach. Hertz is better? Push? You think Hertz throws the ball better than Jared Goff? Hurts better, honestly. Tyler Goff. And by the way, guys, I don't think shit. <laughs> Jared Goff. Hurts is worse, Rico. Here, well, let's take a look at what Cooper Cup would do with Jared Goff and what he did with – here's facts. What he did with Jared Goff. 869. 566, 1161, best year with golf. I believe that's the Super Bowl year. Had 94 catches. Last year with golf, 974. And this last year with Stafford, 1947 in 145. So, 
with with a passing quarterback, he roughly averaged around 900 yards. That's what he would be here. I mean, I'm assuming that. Okay? I'm assuming that. That's why wide receivers are afraid to come to Philly, is what I just said. Why would Cooper Cup ever want to play in Philly when, when he was playing with Jared Goff? He's a 900 receiving guy. And if I'm Devontae Smith, I'm going to tell you something. I know what he's saying publicly, and I love the kid. And I love what the kid's saying. Guy's working hard. Well, what, what, and, and again, I, I, I know that it's all pub, public stuff, but I don't care he's working hard. I don't care he's in the weight room. I don't care he's in the coach's offices. So, great. Welcome to the NFL, son. I'm glad that you figured out being a pro a lot faster than I did. That's just being a pro. You don't get kudos. It takes no ability and no talent to do the things that I just said. I tell my daughter this all the time. To be in shape and to be on time takes no athleticism. But guess what? Those two things stop many athletes. And if you have two of those and you're good and you work hard and you have talent, you're going to make it. Look at AB, for instance. AB's never on time. AB is always missing in action and he can't get to the facility. I beat him with no athleticism. Not one thing athletically did I beat him with, except desire to be great. No, you don't have to be an athlete to go to the weight room. You don't have to be an athlete to show up on time. And when so when I hear people going, "Hey, he's always on time." What? Well, you know, what are we doing here? When you get a player that's on time, in shape, talented. That's how you build a roster. Got to love the game. Loving the game is being on time and being attentive. I mean, you got all day to sleep. You got all day to F off. Right? So don't tell me about that stuff. I mean, you know, and, 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 and I like what he's saying. But if you're Devontae and you're watching Chase get 1,500 yards, you're watching your teammate Waddle get 1,000 yards, and now you've got Tyree Kill on the other side. Don't you one day go to management when your contract is up and say this? Well, I'm being underutilized here. Devontae Smith wants to be a Hall of Fame wideout. You don't win the Heisman Trophy. You don't have that. I'll tell you this, man. When I saw him at the Heisman and the way and how humble he was and how people loved him, how he loved the city he's from. You see, Devontae Smith doesn't just play for him. He plays for his family's name. He plays for the community. 
you see that community all cheering. They were at some sort of gathering and they were cheering him because the family had vested everything in him and he pushed through the finish line. That's a kid you love. That's a kid you root for. A-M-I-T-E, Louisiana, okay? They were all sitting there rooting and cheering and go. Go, Devontae. So when he gets sent to Philly, hey, I'll never forget, man. Xander's first question was, what do you think of the Devontae Smith pick? I go, it's horrible. They drafted a shwimp. And he's like, what? I said, yeah, the guy don't fit this team. You put that guy on the Cincinnati Bengals, he's a 1,500-yard guy. That's a fact. Yeah, 12 to 1,500, sure. Because his desire, his work ethic, his professionalism, there's nothing negative to say except the fact that he needs to put some weight on. He needs to get a little bigger. That would be my, my, only, my only concern with him. He needs to get a little bit bigger. He needs to get some more size. He can't be rolling around the NFL 180-some-odd pounds. And take now. then again, you don't get killed like you used to back in the day, so I have to take that mentality cap off always. Hugh, again, added to the fact that he works hard and he's a great dude, you got a goldmine of a guy, man. You got a goldmine of a kid. That's the guy that you want representing you, Philadelphia Eagles, and wearing that helmet. Absolutely. Here, you want positive? Couldn't get a better kid. But it's hard to put him on display when you've got people telling you, well, we want a high-profiled offense. When you don't have one, your identity is running the ball. That's how you want a Super Bowl. I know falls through for a shitload of yards. I get it. But you know, come on, man. Don't let the passing yards fool you. It was grit. An ass-kicking that won that thing. You guys beat that team up, man. I've never seen a Patriot team in Bill Belichick's time. Outside of that Bills game, you know when the Bills were going up and down the field on them? Was that the playoffs they did that in? The Bills just rolled them? It was like no contest? Right? It was like the only time I've ever seen that is when, when, when the Eagles kicked shit out of them. Hey, you want to hear something crazy about the Patriots? You know it's been three years since they won a playoff game? Bob Kraft came out and said something today about it. You know, yeah, we got we got to, you know, see a little bit better improvement here this year. We're really looking forward to this year. I don't know if that's a shot at Belichick or not, but they haven't won a playoff game in three years. Three years they haven't won a playoff game. And when you're coming out of that – Tom Brady era, and you've won all them games like that, and you haven't won a playoff game in three years, you get a little greedy. I haven't won a play. The Patriots have not won a playoff game in three years. 215 says Smitty can't put up 200 pounds or 20 pounds, 10 max. Listen here, 215, he's just got to get bigger. He will. He will because he wants to. 
Tom Brady the main reason? Okay. Well, if Belichick is this great coach, they got to win a playoff game, man. Haven't won a playoff game in three years? The Patriots. Wow. <laughs> wow. I love that Doug Peterson question. Trevor Lawrence is going to benefit so much from him. I'm going to tell you why. Guys, do me a favor. Hit the like button. We really appreciate everybody here on this Friday. Hit it right back. Keep it here on the National Football Show. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Welcome back, National Football Show. Your boy Dan Silio. Appreciate everybody coming aboard. Thank you. Please hit the like button. Fran, you're not screwed, man. You're going to have a winning season this year. You're going to have a winning season. But again, okay, actually, Fran, you bring up a great point. What's your expectations for this coming season here? By the way, the draft has nothing to do with your expectations. 
they only add to potentially a better year if somebody pans out and becomes a star for you. Like, like Micah Parsons, Cowboys didn't know what they had until the guy started playing on Sundays. They had no idea his impact. Zero idea what his impact was going to be. Zero. Okay, right? Zero. What's a good year for you? What, what, what are you looking for? <laughs> eight and eight? Ten and seven? Better than last year. Monster goes, if we were in the AFC, we'd be cooked. Christopher, boy, do I like that. Christopher says 10 and 7, 11 and 6, and a division title. What's wrong with that? Monster, 11 and 6. Shouldn't you expect a division title at least? In this division, Cowboys are down. Supposedly Wentz sucks. It's on his third team, three years. Don't you think the, it's there for the taking? Right? 10 and 7, another 9 and 8. Hertz is gone. Look at France, Super Bowl. That's the way you should always be thinking, but. Beggars can't be choosers, I guess, right? Ten wins, or they're all out. <laughs> hey. Hey, wait a minute, Horn. Wait a minute. I'm, hey, Rich Kotai? You guys shit on Rich Kotai a lot, don't you? Super who? <laughs> Xander's just being a tool. He, he is. Watch this. Rich Kotai coaching record. You guys shit on him a lot. Here is information from Wikipedia. Here, here, here. You guys shit on him a lot. Let's take a look at Rich Kotai coaching your Eagles. Coaching record. Jesus. 10 and 6. 11 and 5. Won a division title. Oh, excuse me. He was second in the division in 92. So his first two years, he was 21 and 11. Eight and eight, third year. And he was fired over one bad year, seven and nine. He was 36 and 28. And he was fired. Thirty-six and twenty-eight? Four years of coaching. You guys are pretty tough on coaches in Philly. Ran Andy Reid's ass out of town and Doug Peterson, and you ran a coach who three of the four years he coached, you call it the rich Kotai factor. Well, what's what's a good coach to you? What 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 do you consider a good coach? I'm just curious. What's what's a good coach? Over here, better yet, I don't think the fans think that. What does management in Philly think a good coach is? Somebody who's an ass kisser? See, if you're not an ass kisser, I guess you're not a real good coach or something. It's got to be something here. Kotai was not buddy. Okay. 
Kotai was not buddy. All right. He was here 14 years and never won it. We didn't run him out of shit. Great, great coach, but his time was up. Funny, that coach goes to a new place. And he's been to four straight AFC championship games. And he's won a Super Bowl and a conference title. Andy Reid was not a Hall of Fame coach in Philly. Andy Reid's a Hall of Fame coach because of Philly and Kansas City. And the same thing could be played out with Doug Peterson in Jacksonville. Okay? Doug goes down there in five years. Turns – if Doug Peterson wins the Super Bowl in Jacksonville, it, it, it'll be like Theo Epstein – going to both Boston and Chicago as the GM and delivering those two cities World Series titles. They'll build statues for him in a crazy state like Florida who loves football. Doug Peterson would be a pro football Hall of Fame coach if he does what he did in Philly in Jacksonville. One of the worst franchises in sports in American history. If Doug does that, I'm rooting for Doug. By the way, hey, here's why Trevor Lawrence is going to prosper with Doug Peterson. He's going to look that quarterback in the face the same way he looked Nick Foles in the face after Wentz went down. This is something Wentz couldn't get nor could he understand. Because once the one problem that I see, not very professional yet. Hopefully he learns it with Ron Rivera. Let me tell you something. If Carson Wentz doesn't get it with Ron Rivera, there's no, ch there's no chance he'll ever get it. He went with his buddy, didn't work. Now he's going with a coach who's a disciplinarian who coaches you hard. He tells you the way it is. You see how I talk to you? Ron Rivera's that guy. He's going to look him in the face and go, I wanted you here. I want you here. But me wanting you here, this is how we're going to do this. You're going to listen to me, and I'm going to drag your ass across the finish line, kicking and screaming. You may not like some of the things I say to you. You may revolt, but I don't care. Because Carson, I'm going to kick your ass into being a player. That's the kind of coaching that guy needs. Carson Wentz needs his personality. He needs that personality kicked and beat up. He needs to be humbled in front of his team. Ron's the perfect guy for that. He's going to kick his ass mentally. Guy played on that 85 Bears team. You think that guy's going to take any shit from a whiner? Get your ass out of here. Carson's either going to mope or Carson's either going to play. Pick one. That's what he told Dwayne Askins. Either be a pro or you're out of here. He couldn't be a pro, so he cut his ass. <laughs> you going to put your ass on blast, kid. All that shit pampering you? You ain't at North Dakota State anymore, son.
playing for the Beeson, whatever the hell that thing is. If I was recruited by North Dakota State, I'd have went to the Army. <laughs> I don't <laughs> – <laughs> I don't know, man. All right. Maybe too much, right? Big sales again. If North Dakota State were to call me, I'd be like, it's time for me to go to the Marines. <laughs> hey, I have, hey, I have a funny way of doing stuff, and it's always like really kind of to your heart. Somebody asked me a couple of years ago, hey, Sills, Miami's going to the, like, um, the Weed Eater Whacker Bowl or something like that. And I go, no, no, the Idaho Potato Bowl or something. I don't know, some shit like that. And someone goes, Sills, what do you think? Can't you go into the Idaho Tomato Bowl? I go like this. If I'm playing on a blue carpet and I'm going to the Idaho Potato Bowl, I'm not, I, I'm, I, <laughs> hey, I'm out. <laughs> I'm not going. I'm not playing in the Idaho Tomato. Hey, the Idaho Tomato Bowl. <laughs> What's that thing played? December 10th? <laughs> What's that thing played? I don't play any time but January 1 or after. Okay? If it's not a New Year's Day bowl game, Big Sills ain't in it. <laughs> I like I only play on hey, I only play on New Year's. Hi. <laughs> uh, yeah. I played in the Citrus Bowl, Sugar Bowl, and the Fiesta Bowl. I only play on New Year's, son. <laughs> Idaho Potato Bowl. Idaho Tomato. Or the Tomato Bowl. What is it the hell? The PlayStation 6, 5. Sorry, I don't. Hey, Sills, you're going to go into the Weed Whacker Bowl. No, and no. What's the date? December 17th? That's the first weekend of bowl games? No. <laughs> Oh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> Big Sills, I, I don't play off-Broadway. I only play on-Broadway. Doesn't work for me. Holy cow. Hey, Sills, you know you're going to play in the uh, Bahama Bowl. The what? <laughs> Here, here's what Jimmy Johnson used to do all the time. We could either go to the cotton sugar. We go to the cotton sugar orange. I go like this one more coach. He goes, eh, Fiesta too, if you want. Okay. Those are the only bowls I wanted to hear. I didn't want to hear any other thing. Hey, go to Holiday Bowl. What the hell is that? <laughs> what is that? Independence Day? When do you play that thing? Where do you play that thing? You played in Shreveport. I'm out. <laughs> I'm going to Shreveport. I don't think so. <laughs> oh, man. No way. None of that shit. Hey, man, you could play, you know, on the um, New Year's Eve. No, I'm drinking New Year's Eve. I'm playing on New Year's Day. <laughs> no, no, no. When I, hey, I'm a New Year's Day guy. <laughs> Wrestled in Japan, Tokyo Dome. I did. I did. The, the Boardwalk Bowl. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Every time the Canes go to one of them, Hey, see the pinstripe bowl is played at Yankee Stadium. Oh, when's the date? Uh, December 23rd. Mm, that screws my Christmas up. <laughs> no. See, I was I always left on Christmas night after my family. We could all then we then we flew down, then we took off the next day. 
for our January bowl game, our New Year's Day bowl games. So I was like the only guy in the airport sitting there on New Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, actually. Bitter Christmas night. The Neverland Bowl. <laughs> no. No, no, I, 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 I'm not sure the prizes you get there. I think you, hey, from what I understand, I hear you get a kid's ring. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Bad one, two, one, five. The Will Smith Bowl. You get smacked the shit out of if you win. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, hey, the Will Smith Bowl. <laughs> you guys are terrible and fun and stupid. <laughs> the Woke Bowl, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, we all have to dress as chicks in that thing, right? <laughs> Let me get out of here, man. I hope everybody has a great weekend. Oy vey. The marijuana bowl. Okay. Can you imagine what that good bag would be? <laughs> hey, what's what's this in my giddy bag? Holy cow, is that a brick? You know, m- most places they give you PlayStations. I get a brick of weed? Hey, yeah. December wet? I don't care. I'm in. I'm in. Hey, guys, please hit the like button. Guys, have been a lot of fun, man. Crush that button, man. Thank you so much for coming aboard. We'll be back with Barrett on Monday. And we're getting ready for the draft, man. This thing's coming right around the corner. We're now in April. Get this. We are 27 days or 20, yeah, 27 days away from the NFL draft. How crazy is that, right? Have a great weekend. Catch you Monday on the middle. And then back here in the afternoon, four to six with Gary Cobb. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on the flip side. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.